This is a HeadGum Podcast. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hello, halflings! It's me, Jeremy Cobb. But Quinn Schultz calls me the Cobb Father. And my pronouns are he, him. And I am joined today by the three black halfling Avengers. Who is the first Avenger who leaps into the fray? It's me, Captain. It's the same one as last time. (laughs) Okay. It's me, Captain Marvelka. No, uh, it's Joan uh, Miller, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. Uh, and joining us in the fray, swinging in on whatever whatever object he wishes, is... <laughs> hey, uh, hey, it's Navar. Uh, pronounce he him. And I am uh, the blackest of panthers. Mm. Yes. <laughs> and then I try to shoot <laughs> Kevin Costner. This is the wrong dungeon and the wrong dragon. Full prince vibe? Woof. <laughs> this makes them even more black. It does have an alligator with a pistol in it, though. The brand new Hoffman! Yeah! Yeah! On a nat 20. No! My name is Blam Jam. That's disgusting and I love it. <laughs> We're about to get into something real big now. So what are you swinging in on? Like a panther tail? Is there Ooh, just a gigantic no, I, panther? <laughs> a branch? Jungle Definitely vine? Not. Yeah. Maybe or like a staff that he like does a uh, what's that pole mm-hmm. bolt on sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, mm. black like panthers it. are melanated jaguars, right? Yes, uh, jaguars or leopards or leopards. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because leopards leopards are in Africa. So, but yes. Yeah. Right. But jaguars. So in this case, he'd be a leopard. Are stronger and can climb trees. Leopards I mean, I think they both can climb trees, but like a jaguar can drag a whole baby hippo up into a tree if it wants to. Uh, jaguars don't hunt hippos. They typically. live in South because not typically, but I've seen live. a video of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I mean it because they don't. There aren't very many hippos in South America. The only hippos there were brought by Pablo Escobar, <laughs> uh, and are currently and are currently feral, living in the Amazon, uh, part of the Amazon. It's it's usually going to be jaguar. <laughs> Leopards that that are up against hippos just because mm. of the location, uh, but there are some really cool videos of leopards dragging like uh, antelopes <laughs> and baboons and a variety of animals into trees or jumping out of trees onto antelopes and yeah. whatnot. Mm-hmm. I think jaguars cool. are bigger cool and stronger. Yeah, in like, but the, yeah, I think leopards distinctly will just do that. Uh, we're taking our food where we want to eat it. And you can't yeah. get it. Well, also because they're smaller and weaker than everything else that... Yeah. Like, other than cheetahs. Like, <laughs> I guess a leopard versus a, a hyena might be a fairly even fight, but, but a leopard versus a, a leopard lion versus is not going to one hyena well. would be a fair fight. A yeah, leopard exactly, versus but not 12 like hyenas. Five hyenas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're Whereas all deep. Jaguars have no reason to carry their food wherever. Like, they just take it where they want. <laughs> yeah. Because nothing can challenge they just they them. Are, they are the apex. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Although, if hippos keep spreading, who knows? That mm. might become a real problem. That's a, that is a real problem. Uh, Hippo. Yeah. I watched a video um, 
there's this uh, YouTube channel called RDC World, and it's a bunch of these uh, young black men who like make anime videos and stuff like that. But they do a bunch of different like discussions too. And one discussion was like, who like what would you rather survive against? A gorilla, a hippo, a elephant, or it was something else. But it was something ridiculous, and it was like, uh, yeah, just oh, and or a bear. And nobody was picking the bear. And I'm like, literally, you can survive against bears. People do it all the time. Like, no, it's still you pick like, the gorilla because the gorilla's not going to fight you. No. Have you ever the seen gorilla... a gorilla fight? Yeah, but they gorillas don't, fight, don't well. fight unless you provoke them. But if, okay, Same well, the situation, I guess I should specify. The situation was like, you're stuck in a room. <laughs> with this thing. Again, I'm just saying. I would, I'm, rather... I would yeah. <laughs> I'm taking gorilla every time. Yeah, yeah. I'm taking gorilla... the gorilla or the elephant, depending on how pissed off the gorilla is. When gorillas fight, they just hit, they just swing. Like they throw kind of wild haymakers and maybe some bites. And they'll probably feel like pull you apart. <laughs> yeah, I think a, maybe, maybe, but you might have a shot. Yeah. Yeah. Like know. it's not a chimp. Here's the thing. It's better than a chimp. I think we could all agree on yes. that. Yeah. Your odds with a gorilla are much yeah. better than your odds with a chimp. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, I'd still rather be in a one bedroom apartment about, with a bear. Like, a bunch of chimps <laughs> grouped up and murked a gorilla. I believe oh, it. Oh no, that's terrible. Yeah, and apparently like the records gorilla of, was yeah. like throwing them, like bodily, like <laughs> picking them up and throwing them. But there was just so many of them that they swarmed him, and like yeah, yeah oh, a bunch no. of chips killed a full-grown silverback. I feel like in Whoa. my biology class in in college, they talked about like chimps will like full-on go to war, like they'll oh, yeah. make weapons, They're cannibals, and they will go to war with each other, which is that's terrifying. Mm. Like. Yeah, of all the apocalypse things, like zombies is the easiest. Like, yeah, I'll take zombies any day. Um, mm-hmm. But I wouldn't want to fight robots like in iRobot, and I wouldn't want to fight Planet of the Apes style. Ugh. You know, for me, super intelligent. If fighting <laughs> is on the table, then yeah. I'm already dead. Like, I gotta try to negotiate. <laughs> like, I gotta try to use the diplomacy <laughs> check or uh, or hide, hide too. That that's yeah. a good strategy. Yeah, like uh, like um, the oh, what's the movie? What's the name of the movie? The movie with, that John uh, Krasinski made that, um, with Emily Blunt. The silent where you one? Just have the, to, like, a Quiet oh, Place. Yeah. A Quiet Place, yeah. A quiet, I haven't a quiet seen place. it, but, yeah. yeah. A Quiet Place might be your... Because <laughs> you, you can just hide. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. no fighting. Mm-hmm. Like, if they attack you, it's over. So you just have to hide all the time. And I would be absolutely what? perfect, except for that all of my joints pop all of the time. <laughs> oh no. Okay, but Joan, could you also stop fidgeting though? Would that is that even a possibility for you? <laughs> no. Absolutely not. But I mean I not to call you out, quietly. but I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Listen, before this recording started, I had to go and find a whole nother chair situation just because I fidget so much that my chair was having a full on conversation. Like my chair was about to pull a paycheck off of this podcast. It was talking that much. Your chair is like the equivalent of the husky sitting in the back of back seat of the car that just wants to be involved in the conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. And as every as soon as people start talking, it just starts <laughs> through the whole thing. <laughs> that's yeah. that's what my chair sounds uh, like. Yeah, uh, Navar, remind me. I have a bear story to tell you when we're off air. Okay. It's too grim for on air. Okay. Uh, but <laughs> it's okay. I have a bear story to tell you. You're um, right but story. we're not here to talk about bear stories. We? We're not here to talk about any of that. We're here to talk about owl bear Dungeons stories. And Dragons honor. <laughs> yes, well, that's part of it. Uh, the Dungeons and Dragons honor among thieves 
trailer, which was just released a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, By the way, as a side note, do we think that, considering that bears will often not kill you before they start eating you, and, uh, oh no, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say, owls do that too, never mind, I was gonna say, do we think it'd kill you or not? Owls eat you without killing you too, so, uh, there you go, it would just definitely start eating you before you were dead. Uh, An owl bear, that is. And then it would pellet you out. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Just like a huge pellet. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That's incredible. And little kids will dissect you at Girl Scout camp. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Like the giants, the giant kids at school. Yeah. Magic school. Like cracking open Mm -hmm. these owl bear pellets. Yeah. Do you think they they learned that at the magic school, Joan? We'll get into what that means later. Later down the line. Joan just had a spit take. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Magic so, school. First, <laughs> yes. The first things first. Uh, we're going to, if you have not seen the Dungeons and Dragons trailer, <clears throat> we are going to play it. Uh, not You won't hear the audio, but we will tell you uh, when we're going to press play. And we'll watch along with a little bit of commentary, and then we will talk about uh, what we think about the movie and what our thoughts are, as well as maybe some other D&D media that has been released over the years in the film medium. Um, So does everybody have the movie up and Mm -hmm. ready to go? Okay. Uh, I'm going to say let's start in three, two, one, go. It's interesting how movie trailers start with like this little trailer for the trailer. That's like yeah. a two or three second trailer before the trailer. They got to make a gif. Yeah. Like just a few action moments. Mm-hmm. I mean, right off the bat, this movie got looks really good. got Tirith vibes from that city. Yeah. Yeah. I love the acid, uh, the black dragon yeah. sp- uh, spitting out yeah. acid. I love that. Yeah, for sure. Great. Um, this is where I started to get a strong Guardians of the Galaxy vibe. As soon as a whole lot of love kicks in, yeah. Like there, or even like a Thor, uh, like a Thor Ragnarok vibe. Yeah. It definitely seems like it's going to be not a completely serious movie. Yeah. Oh, I certainly hope not. It looks like it looks like Marvel making a D and D movie. Mm -hmm. My husband and I have been talking a lot about how much Marvel Cinematic Universe has affected Big Ten films and their construction. I think there's good and bad things about it. Mm. Oh, here we get the most uh, controversial part of the whole trailer. (laughs) You can't turn into an owlbear. So we got an elf and a tiefling. Yep. Uh... But mostly, I think everybody Wait, else... Wait, was Justice Smith an elf? Is that what's... Uh, yes. Yes. So two, two yeah, black characters, which elf. is great. Yeah. And a woman. Or and a, two yeah, women. Two women, yeah. And Michelle Rodriguez. Mimic. As a barbarian, which is a amazing. We have a... Uh, There's so many beast And a gelatinous cube. And, and a fat dragon. Multiple dragons. And a fat dragon. <laughs> yeah, fat dragon. Yeah, so there's three dragons in the in the film that we see in the trailer, which yeah. is pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you kind of got to... Yeah, yeah, it's Dungeons and Dragons. I like Chris Pine. Yeah. <laughs> 
he's, I don't know, that little hop he gives yeah. yes. uh, is legitimately great. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. yeah, first thoughts. What do we think about how, do, how does this movie look? I know we were talking a little bit about it, but uh, what are folks' It looks uh, super fun to me. Like, I yeah. feel like I'm going to have a good time one way or another. I am, yeah, I'm very excited for it. I think I love the um, the cast looks a lot of fun. I love mm-hmm. all the stuff that they're adding into it. And I think <clears throat> they're adding a lot of stuff in there, but the effects look pretty good. Um, yes. And, like, from the trailer, and trailers do a lot of deception. So hopefully the lighting stays mm-hmm. the same because it looks like there's going to be some uh, moments where they're in, like, dungeons and stuff like that. It'll be a little bit darker. But, I, I mean, if it's a bright just fun movie with a shit ton of monsters i'm happy yeah yeah that was the impression that i got as well like it's it looks it's like a marvel movie like a fun time you'll mm-hmm. get a little bit of drama uh you'll get you know an oh you'll hopefully a, a, re- a reasonably uh, satisfying story uh some fun action climaxes better effects than a lot of the marvel movies have had yeah. recently it seems like they may have had a, a longer post-production <laughs> period for this mm. one yeah well, I mean, it's COVID times. You should have a long post-production period. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got to make all yeah. this shit work. Um, Actually, I'm going to look up when when they filmed this. I know that. I mean, I feel like it thing. started quite a bit ago. Um, yeah. I am excited, too. Forever. Yeah. I am excited, too, like, that the first dragon we see is a black dragon. Because I think it's, there is obviously a red dragon in there, which is, like, that's what you're going to get, every you know, fire breathing. Right. But they made the red dragon fat, which I think is amazing um it is that's hilarious. yeah because yeah i think that really the feeds into like the dragon. gluttony trope of of dragons anyway um <clears throat> and i'm i mean i feel like it's easy to peg all the classes except for the mage i'm like are you a sorcerer or a wizard yeah so don't say they actually released this oh they uh they yes D D. the D D movie twitter actually released this uh, i will send it to you uh, in the Riverside chat here, but they actually released a series of gifts explaining who everyone's characters are Amazing. and what their classes are. So Chris Pine is Edgin the Bard. Yeah. It really does look like it says Edgin the Bard. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they know what they did. They know what they did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then you have Michelle Rodriguez as Holga the Barbarian. Mm. Mm-hmm. Then you have uh, Regé Jean Page as, I'm guessing, Jenk or Chenk, the paladin. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have <clears throat> Justice Smith as Simon the Sorcerer. Okay. It's Sophia Lillis as Doric the Druid. And Hugh Grant as Forge the Rogue. Okay. Wow. I so wasn't expecting him it to be the rogue. does it say whether yeah. the Druid is a tiefling or not? Because I know that's um, what everybody's speculating. Is. Well, she has yeah. horns. She has yeah. horns, and she has a tail in at least one shot. But I'm not 100% sure that she's a tiefling. Like, what else do you think she might be? Well, because there was a lot of debate about, like, shouldn't she be a different color if she's mm. a tiefling? Like, I mean, to be fair, there's a range of tieflings, and they come in all different colors. But, like, most of them are, like, can't pass for human. So, mm. like... Some people are like, oh, if that's what they're doing as a tiefling, like, I'm kind of disappointed or whatever. And I was, like, wondering, like, is it possible that either A, she's not a tiefling, or she is a tiefling, but she's wearing a glamour most of the time. Mm. Like, 
And so, like, I'm wondering if there's going to be more to it than that. If she might be, like, a satyr, but her tail doesn't really match for a satyr. So, I don't know. And she doesn't have the hooves either. I, I, I think she's a tiefling. Yeah, I think it was a political decision to bring in a new audience and avoid creating uh, satanic panic things. You know what I mean? Uh, Imagery, I guess. I that's that. that's my thinking. Yeah, <clears throat> I think it's like, oh no, like to, tieflings are fun. Like it's a great thing. Everybody loves it. And yeah. it like, yeah. see, we got a white girl. To play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think you're wrong there. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. definitely could yeah. have been like we're afraid of a sudden <clears throat> satanic panic backlash to this. So let's drastically tone down the tiefling coloration. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild, but yeah, I could definitely see that being possible. Uh, yeah. I, I I agree. I think I would have preferred her to have more, you know, closer to like the classic tiefling red or purple. Yeah. Uh, those seem to be the colors that most people pick for their tieflings. But it's not the, like, the interestingly enough, actually, the first tiefling that I ever introduced into one of my home games was based on my buddy Taylor Lewis, who's a big fan of the show. Uh, shout out to him. The character's name was Layler Tuis. And uh, he he had, uh, he was like a half tiefling, half shifter. And he basically looked like a dude with horns. Yeah. Like, he looked exactly like that. He just looked like a, he just, he, in fact, he looked like a white guy with horns, essentially. And, like, a tail. Yeah. And so... I I've I have this I have this full circle for me coming right back around to a white tiefling with horns and a tail. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely I know quite a few black folks who just create brown or black tieflings, you know, and uh, mm, I've seen that in art before. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, so. though, that still, in my opinion, tells a similar story to a tiefling because the whole thing about tieflings is that they, because of the way they look, they get othered. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think she's way too attractive to be othered based on the fact that she's a tiefling, you know? Like, that's more of the, like, fetishizing version of it than mm-hmm. it is the yeah. sort of, like, I can't hide the fact that I am who I am, and because of that, I suffer for it. Yeah. Mm. It could be that they're also just phasing that part of the lore out for this movie, because uh, I, I, my understanding is that that's what draws a lot of black people to tieflings, mm-hmm. is that they are they're like, oh, this person is is oppressed for the way that they look, and I uh, that resonates with me, and so yeah. they'll make a character who's a tiefling. Yeah. It may just be that they're they're like, hey, let's let's not just artificially create racism in our movie and yeah. just <laughs> just have this person. People Fair. be like, ah, oh, it's a tiefling. Yeah, but who knows? Mm-hmm. I have no idea. No one remarks on it in the trailer, at least. So right. if, if if it is part of the movie, they have not shown it yet. Yeah, I'm. I don't. I feel like if somebody's gonna at least make one comment, and I just can't imagine it not happening. You know, yeah. with at yeah. least at least to her. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think it's. I mean, I think I still think it's it's cool that they've mixed it up and that they've changed things around. I I really like the. Um, the costume design seems fun. Um, mm-hmm. uh, John and I were talking about costume design of a different movie yesterday, and and uh, this seems much better, um, especially when you look at like uh, <laughs> uh, Michelle Rodriguez like being a barbarian and like 
though like barbarians don't wear quote unquote armor she obviously still has like fur hides yeah, on or whatever like um yeah yeah and it's not like overly suggestive or anything like that like she just looks like somebody who would literally beat your ass and um and it looks like she does beat some ass in the movie so super excited yeah for they that. seem to be uh, they seem to be pretty much circumventing the whole uh the whole fantasy bikini, like chain mail bikini or the male bikini oh, thing. Oh, that's like what I was the, talking about. Classic, yesterday. They seem to be completely avoiding that, and yeah. the only the only re- uh, the only reason for re- having any sort of revealing a- aspect of the armor is so that we can uh, marvel at Rochelle, Michelle Rodriguez's guns. Yeah, seems mm. to be the only way that they're really which is that. I think that's which, totally perfectly legit because I think I if I was. I mean, I will never, ever, ever qualify to be a barbarian. But if I was, <laughs> I would want my arms to be free, you know? Like, yeah. you don't want to mm. be restricted. You want... I mean, that is one of the few cases in which I think less is more. Because you can't wear armor yeah. anyways. So, you know, you might as well have your full mobility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But that I doesn't mean it has to be revealing. moves and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing I will say is... Similar to, in some ways, the the old Star Trek reboot, they have gone the classic Hollywood diversity route in the sense that the protagonist is white, mm-hmm. the, what I'm guessing is the nominal love interest for the protagonist is also white, and then they've had a couple of, like, an assortment of non-white people in supporting roles surrounding them. Mm-hmm. In, and also, Michelle Rodriguez is the tough lady, yeah. which I feel like is just her classic role. Mm-hmm. She, it feels like back in the 80s with Aliens, and I cannot remember the name of the Marine, but it seems like that archetype was originated in the, with Aliens. <laughs> the one super tough, hyper-masculine a woman space marine yeah. seems to have like been transplanted into the present, and is that's tomorrow. just the part that Michelle Rodriguez is. That's just the part that Michelle Rodriguez plays these days. It feels. Was it Diaz? Was that was that her name? It might have been Diaz. Let me see. I feel like it was Let something with the D. But yeah, I know who you're talking about. But yeah, definitely. Which was. Um, on the other hand, they could have had a dude barbarian. And I think having a female barbarian, having a woman as a barbarian is kind of fun. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the barbarian class itself is kind of fraught with a bunch of different ways in which it could be really not kosher ethically. Um, Yeah. So... Can you explain? I mean, just like in 3.5, you are automatically illiterate if you're a barbarian. Um, Whoa! Yeah, yeah. Like y- you have to pay skill points in order to be able to learn to read, even if you can speak multiple Whoa. languages. Um, and like that proved to be a giant ass problem for me because I was playing a barbarian for the first time and just like a shits and giggles campaign um, that my husband was doing, and there was this complicated puzzle and like IRL. I'm the person in the group that's been going to grad school my entire life. I'm pretty smart. Uh, Not IRL. I was playing a barbarian who doesn't know how to read. And so I could not help anybody with the puzzles, but nobody was getting them. And then come to find out, like, 15, 20 minutes later, there was a graphic that someone had that wasn't loading on their screen. So they didn't even know that the object that they needed to interact with was there. 
Like, they <laughs> so physically they're being held could back not. by technology. <laughs> yeah, and they didn't know, and we didn't know, and like I couldn't help them because I was playing an idiot character. Mm. Um, oh no! Yeah, and so it was. It was very frustrating. It's one of the most frustrating sessions I've had in recent memory. But um, you know that shit happens. Like it's the sort of thing where it's like. <clears throat> Every once in a while, you got to have a bad session just so you know that this isn't too good to be true. I mean, I feel, I feel like the word, the term barbarian, from remembering what I, when I learned the first time in school, like comes from just being like, if you, I don't remember if it was Romans or Greeks, but just basically it just meant like you're uncivilized. You are not us yeah. and you're uncivilized. Mm-hmm. Um, Barbaric. And, the Greeks. Yeah. And that's where that comes from. And so, yeah, I mean, it's similarly to monk, like there's, you know, we run into issues with with certain terms uh, that are just part of the tropes of these games now. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, mm-hmm. I even the whole. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say. I mean, and and it continues to be pe- perpetuated because none of your skills are based on your intelligence or your wisdom, um, and so you have no incentive to to increase that score uh, unless you're going a different path or playing against type, and so. Um, and the most popular D and D barbarian probably um, is Grog, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. he's just a big, big meathead. So he has like intelligence <laughs> of six, right? Uh, like from Critical Role. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah Travis Willingham. Yeah. It's like a six, character. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, Grog is one of my favorite characters from uh, Campaign One of Critical Role. For sure. But I completely agree with you. Yeah. It, actually, when we had when we had James Mendes Hodes on. He noted that it's surprising that the monk is just based on name, mm-hmm. that the monk is the most racially or culturally insensitive mm-hmm. of the three or of the of the D&D classes. When you have druids and barbarians that are very specifically based on like on like obviously the name barbarian is controversial in and of itself mm-hmm. based considering its usage in history. But it's also drawing heavily from like Germanic cultures and druids were like a real group of people or i guess real groups Mm -hmm. of people Mm because there were druids throughout europe but the and yet somehow the monk still manages to vault ahead to be the most culturally insensitive uh but i i agree they they, i had oh i was just gonna uh, go go ahead i was a little bit because like one of the things about it that i think we don't really critically examine that much but is kind of problematic is the fact that their whole thing is about rage and like mm-hmm. rage as a fighting tool and like first of all do we like the idea that we're promoting rage as a positive thing and rage into violence as a as a positive thing and like the whole class is about sort of glorifying rage but then also aside from that like the whole because i could write a whole paper about this but like getting into like mind-body dualism and the separation of and intellect and emotion like this is really the only class aside from a few spells and a little bit the druid that specifically focuses on your emotional uh sort of relationship to what's going on but not in a way that is meant to let you experience the full range of emotions in a way that really capitalizes exclusively on anger and mm. like i feel like along with uh what is the word for when you can't read? Illiteracy. Illiterate. <laughs> Along yeah. with illiteracy, rage, violence, uh, 
being called barbarians and referred to as barbaric, like, it gets to be, like, because I, I wonder, like, what aspects it's being analyzed along. And then the whole thing with druids, for me, like, someone who's both black and Irish, like, I kind of look at it and I'm like, I find a lot of the time it's hard to have a conversation about discrimination against Anglo ethnicities because it's so often used as a trope to minimize the suffering of black people, um, especially in the American South where there's a lot of like back and forth about like, well, the Irish were treated quote unquote, just as bad as the slaves, which is not true, but they were treated very badly. But it's hard to have that nuanced conversation. And I think that can apply here with Druids also is like, this is a very complex, robust and religiously, like, I'll say like intonated, like it's religious, but I feel like using the word religious puts on certain connotations that don't fit. But like the, I think the discrimination against the like, druidic and like paganistic uh ethnic groups and religions can kind of slip under the radar because it's hard to have that conversation um in a way that is nuanced and and empathetic and kind yeah mm. where do you see that in specifically in regards to the druid class in D D? that kind of discrimination would it be just the use of the term in general or is there more in terms of the druids, um, mm -hmm. I haven't, I can't say that I've gone that far into it. I guess I was more saying that, like, I can see why it would be difficult to surface the problems that are with the druid if there are people who have been doing that work because that conversation is so overdetermined. So, like, I personally haven't gone into it. I know um, Brennan has talked about druids as like a historical group before because i think that is part of his heritage um but like in terms of like i don't my family is irish catholic not druids but i just know about the history of like the interaction between anti-irish discrimination and anti-black discrimination in the united states hmm. Well, it's possible that uh, considering, like, I did a little bit of research on this recently, like last, a couple years ago, um, because in in regards to specifically Ireland, there, obviously, there, uh, the spread of Christianity throughout Europe ha included a whole lot of convert or die, hmm. and there have been people who have claimed that Ireland, specifically like St. Patrick, was part of that process, but based on the research that I could find, it appears that the... It, and scholarly consensus at this point is that Ireland just straight up converted and that they just basically were like, hey, here's here's a new religion. And they were like, yeah, OK, uh, they're just not a, it, Ireland appears to be rare in the sense that it was just a very gradual, peaceful conversion process mm. and that there was actually very little violence or coercion. Uh, but I, I so it's I say that to say it's entirely possible that if your ancestry in Ireland goes back far enough, they actually were Druids before they became Catholics. I mean, probably. Uh, or at least were affiliated with those the faith that the Druids uh, were part of. Yeah, and I do know that, like, Irish Catholicism still has a lot of holdovers from, like, Druid and pagan beliefs in terms of, like, fairy culture and all of that stuff. And, like, like 
it was very much a, like, we're just going to observe both at the same time. Like, we don't see the conflict. And I know a lot of, like, Christian missionaries and Catholic missionaries did a thing where they sort of, like, overlaid the saints onto some of the polytheistic deities. Syncretism. In order... Yeah, that, I didn't know that that was a word, and I like it. But yeah, so... <laughs> It's, it's, what the, it's what the Romans did with the Greeks, and the Greeks mm-hmm. did with the Egyptians, and so on and so on and so on. And Christianity did in a lot of places. Like, yeah. they would either use a full-on syncretism, or they would just like, hey, let's, you guys like Odin, and he hung from a tree. That's kind of like Jesus, because yeah. he was in a tree. The tree had already been turned into timber, but, you know, there's a relation there. And they're trees. Let's have the trees be part of Christmas now. Yeah, like, it's like there's like different er- or or in some cases it's like you guys worship a goat based deity. Well, that's Satan now. Yeah, <laughs> we don't yeah. want to do that. That's it's sometimes that <laughs> uh, as well. That's but, wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so because there's you guys nothing have a holiday about, about, about fertility. Let's make it about eggs and bunny rabbits. <laughs> well, no, that wasn't even <clears throat> well, yeah, that's bunny right, rabbits. That's I think true. were yeah. It's let's make it specifically about the pivotal event in our entire religion mm-hmm. instead of your fertility. Uh, but it's like yeah, it's it's um, Satan isn't even described as having like horns or goat's feet mm-hmm. in the Bible at all. That's entirely something that came about through years of. I'm Obviously. not sure if syncretism is the correct word in that case, but I think it's kind of related at least. Obviously, Satan yeah. looks like Gwendolyn Christie. Hey, Uh, my favorite casting from that show. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I think much like James Minnesota said, uh, I think when you're talking about like the Druids, barbarians and monks, like the the big thing is that you're taking a specific cultural thing and then you're lumping in a bunch of random shit together. And you're just like, yeah, they love nature and animal spirits and um, they put blue paint on their face. Uh, yep, that's Druid class now. And uh, mm-hmm. so you're just like, okay, yeah, this is what we got. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's, you really, like, you'd have to tear down so much stuff. So many, like, historical things from D&D to make a lot of this stuff good. Um, and other games have to change it, too, because there's so many other fantasy games out there. Pathfinder, yeah. 13th Age, I think, does the same thing. Like, there's, it's part of the, the tropes now. So, yeah, whether or not that's going to happen through Watsi is probably not going to happen, but I'm just, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's one of those things like it's interesting that they're still there, that we still have to deal with that stuff and those tropes and everything that comes with it. And I think much like our previous conversation, like when people look up what these things are to get a better idea for themselves, that's what they're going to find is like, Oh, well, that's a weird, that's a weird thing to do. Why did you make my character like that? Um, <laughs> and then whether or not people have the, uh, <clears throat> the sensibility to say like, you know what, I'm going to play against type and I'm going to talk to my GM and say like, I don't want it to be this way. Like, I think if he on his, um, interview with you guys, like he had a great way of like talking about like you're, you can literally control your emotions to the point of like turning it on at any moment. Like that's something bigger than just being like a rage filled, you know, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. can't think person. Like, th- yeah, I think it's, yeah. It takes time and it takes work for both the player and the GM to be like, I want this class, but this is how I want it to look when we play yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the, going for the you... Bruce Banner version of it and being like, that's my secret, I'm always angry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Have either of you seen The Northman? I have not. Okay, well, it's basically, it's based on the, it's based on a real life legend mm. of this guy Amleth, a name which might sound kind of familiar because he's the basis for Hamlet. Mm. Uh, like oh. a lot of elements of that story. Basically Shakespeare based Hamlet on that. Wow. Uh, mm. Like a lot of the story is the same. And in the in the Northmen, uh, which it's, it's originally a Norse myth of in the Northmen, they do like, apparently did a ton of research into the cultures of the time, like the Norse cultures of that period. And so there's a part of the movie where he is essentially what would what we might think of as a berserker, or he's very similar to it. Mm-hmm. And there's like it's really you see him like joining on a raid, and it's really interesting because like I think it's the night before they have what appears to be like a religious slash war ritual where they're all basically just getting super hyped and I can't remember if there's any sort of hallucinogens involved I'd have to rewatch the movie but it's a really interesting scene I bring it up partially because it's directly related to what we're talking about we're talking about barbarians yeah because that's like mm-hmm. the basis for the entire idea uh, and if you watch the Norsemen there are multiple scenes of people just screaming mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> including yeah. one climactic moment when two characters just go ah it's great. All right. Uh, Split second reenactment. Here we go. Everybody on three. One, two, three. Ah! Why didn't you guys do it? Ah! Okay, there's a delay. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I it started... happens one after another. In the movie, one of them starts screaming at one, and the other one just screams back. Oh. And they're just staring at each other, screaming for a couple seconds. Nice. That's I not going to be vibes. painful for anybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Daniel trying to like to, uh, even out the sounds on this one, uh, the audio <laughs> mm, levels. But it's sorry. I bring it up because there's like a lot of references throughout that movie to various aspects of Norse culture and mm-hmm. Norse religions, and the, uh, that particular element was like it does honestly the way that if if the the way that they are depicting the culture is accurate, then there are quite a few similarities between that and what people think of often when they think of barbarians. Mm-hmm. My Minus the lack of intelligence. These mm-hmm. people obviously very much knew what, how to do what they were doing. Uh, and they were intelligent people. But there is very much of like a, we are accessing, like it's almost like a trance-like state that we're going into that allows us to be more effective as warriors and so on and so forth. And, and, we, and we don't have fear and we're, you know, we're ruthless and like, it's that kind of thing. Uh, which that... uh, is an interesting way of looking at it, I think. Reminds me of this really cool thing I heard on NPR about 
the statues on Easter Island and how they got them there. And, like, it was a mystery for such a super long time. And then, oh, I'm not going to do the story justice at all because I don't remember it well enough. But there was a song that had been preserved in the culture for, like, generations and generations and generations. And they knew, like... In their, the cultural memory knew that this song was important. And it was like an almost mythical, magical importance in terms of moving these stones and that, like, they had to do it. And then, like, many, many, many years later, they realized that there's a particular way of, like, shimmying these stones back and forth with ropes that lets them almost walk. And, like, kind of like, like if you were like pivoting back and forth and so mm, the like song yes the song was the key to figuring out how they moved them because the song helped them know exactly how and when to shift the ropes because this took like 50 100 people to be able to shift these ropes back and forth but once they had the song and they knew that they needed to do the rope walking thing they combined it together and they were able to replicate the like oh so it was like the process. rhythm of the song told yes. them when to like the uh like it's kind of like a sea shanty mm-hmm. like that was mm-hmm. the purpose of sea shanties in a lot of cases was like you pull on certain points of the song and stuff yeah like, a really lot of cool. them even still have heave ho as part of the lyrics you know yeah <laughs> heave ho yeah heave, yeah. Ho. yeah i'm doing a movement with my arms if you can't see me it's, it's you a have to watch this movement. whatever yeah. whatever this video is released go check yeah. it out on youtube <laughs> Uh, yeah, awesome. go ahead, Navar. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember what I was gonna say. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's just funny. We're we're so far mm-hmm. from the from the D and D trailer at this point. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, we are. So D and D. I will say on the note about <laughs> barbarians, uh, specifically in regards to rage, very few of the barbarians that I have played ever use rage as just a "I'm real mad now" mm-hmm. mechanic. Mm-hmm. It's usually like. Uh, Oh, this is. I played a character named BG426, who was a, a warforged, and the idea was that he was created to be a bodyguard. And he was an ancestral guardian barbarian, and the, his rage was him activating battle mode in order to be able to more effectively protect people. Or Jasper played a character where his, uh, his rage was more of like a battle focus. Like a Bastila Shan type, like hyper focusing, like I'm losing all fear and emotion. I'm just like mm-hmm. dedicated to whatever I have to do right now. Or I played a character where his his rage was really more like a desperate fight or flight fear situation because mm-hmm. he was in like a Stranger Things campaign, and mm-hmm. he was he was the one guy who was like, we should stop. We should just stop associating <laughs> ourselves with all of this. And uh, and Why everyone do they else. Never stop? <laughs> <laughs> that was my my character's Murder whole. Hobos. One of the characters in this, uh, she was a warlock, and they did it. They had her like pact of the chain f- uh, manifest as her adopting essentially like one of the baby uh, baby demogorgons yeah. as a cat, and it just like uh, disguised itself as a cat. And my character is like, this is clearly evil. Why are you bringing this cat with? <laughs> <laughs> and no one would listen. So this was him, like, being like, oh, my God, oh, my God, okay, let's go. Ah, that was his rage. Mm. Like, was just trying to, like, I have to try and save everybody and also save myself and escape. Yeah. So at least for me, I usually engage with it in a much wider range, a much wider spectrum of emotion. And I look at it as, as it, uh, excuse me, I look at it as just one's emotions or one's mindset 
like flipping like a switch like okay now i'm in this state of mind uh, mm-hmm. But I can definitely see where you're coming from in the sense it's literally called rage. It's mm-hmm. not called like yeah. adrenaline. Uh, I think on our Discord people it said battle trance or and different yeah. things mm-hmm. like that. That yeah. would be a good switch. Um, I realize that I probably shouldn't have used that word that I just used, so I'll say murder bozos instead. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess we'll probably like, that'll probably shift in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the use of that term. Yeah. 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 Um. No, I think that's cool. I, I am interested to see how they do it with um, Holga. Do you say the character's name is? Yeah. Uh, Holga, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see. I'm also super interested to see if Chris Pine's character actually uses magic. Mm. I think he does because there's a shot in the trailer where everything is in slow motion and he is moving at regular speed. It's about, and I wanted to see if I could figure out what spell that is. The haste, probably. Oh, yeah. It could be haste. I'm betting it would be haste because I think there's a, that's the only spell that actually that's like within reason that mm-hmm. slows down time, or yeah. le- would create that difference of perception. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm maybe also, like uh, expeditious retreat or something. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I I'm also super interested that, to see though, like he's not fleeing. Yeah. To see Still like get, how yeah. we uh, how when people start theory crafting about how what level they are everybody is mm. like hmm well if you can do this spell you must be this level um yeah well that brings us then to the the the, the most contentious part of this trailer yeah which is the <laughs> fact that our our druid oh yep yeah doric is in fact a tiefling it says so on wikipedia oh, doric okay. a tiefling druid uh doric transforms she w- apparently wild shapes mm-hmm. apparently mm-hmm. into an owl bear which rules as written is not possible because owl bears are not considered beasts they're considered monstrosities and some people have become very angry at <laughs> this inspired um my most popular tweet ever where mm. i said dean dnd movie uses homebrew rules get over it and a yeah. lot of yeah. people really like that <laughs> I also am so, like. I think it's well put. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, great, like, we... it's fucking like, who cares? Like, it's like when I when I watched that, the first thing I wasn't thinking was like, oh, you can't do that. I was just like, holy shit, that transformation was amazing. Mm-hmm. That looked so cool. I was thinking, and, yeah. hey, it's an owl bear, and then I was thinking, <laughs> yeah. hoot, growl, hoot, growl, hoot, growl. <laughs> nice, yeah. I like yeah. that it's a snowy owl as well. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it definitely does. Like, I I enjoyed the way that it looked. To it. it looked different than what you see in the um, in the monsters manual, and uh, yeah, I'm just excited. I think it's going to be awesome. But there's so many. Like I said, there's so many cool monsters in the in the trailer that we see, like the Displacer Beast, the Gelatinous Cube, which is like smaller mm-hmm. than I expected it to be and not as green, um, which is like fine. Again, I'm not like who cares. It's just, let's just have fun. Um, it's not but, great enough to be a Gelatinous yeah. Cube. You got it wrong, D and D. Got it wrong. You got D&D. it wrong. Um, <laughs> But yes, but when I first watched the trailer, I didn't realize that there was a red dragon at the end. And when it was on my second time that I watched it, I was like, oh, it's a red dragon. And I think it was the third time I watched it, I was like, oh my God, he's a chunky red dragon. This is yeah, a chunk. Yeah. Because it really like, okay, so- the lore of dragons is that like gluttony of like constantly needing more and more gold. Um, and I could just like, I love the imagery of that. Just especially with red dragons being so greedy. 
I like it because it resembles like a tegu or like a thicker bodied lizard. Mm-hmm. Whereas just like this, because all the dragons are always, they all have the same body types. Yeah. And I like the idea that we just have this big old thick dragon. <laughs> With just stubby arms, like, just like Bruh. that's why <laughs> yeah. I like it. Yeah, because like you've never ever seen a fat dragon in in media, and it's like mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it can't be that there aren't fat dragons. So let's see a fat yeah. dragon. Yeah, it's Dragonite and this guy. <laughs> yeah. This is the only exactly. <laughs> and Charizard yeah. when he's not, you know, yeah, when he's in his off season. <laughs> when he's yeah, there. yeah, when he's bulking yeah. instead yeah. of cutting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's funny. In case anybody is curious, the spell that I was talking about for the bard was at 47 seconds. Oh, okay, yeah, where where it appears that let's let's yeah, let me see if I can jump to 47 seconds here. Okay, yeah, it's really I see brief. people moving in slow motion. Oh, yeah. It look yeah, it looks like he is moving slightly quicker than everyone else. Yeah, he like shifts into place right in front of the sorcerer. Yeah, while everybody Maybe it's else misty is step moving even. slowly, yeah, that could be it too. Uh, but it, also, I, it looks like somebody's like casting like, shield as well. Yeah, I almost get the sense that he's like assessing the situation. Mm. So I feel like this moment is longer than we get from the trailer. Like we literally only get two seconds of this from the yeah. trailer. Um, yeah. But for sure, yeah, I'm sure it's going to be a whole sequence. I will say, I think the simple solution to all of this is for whatever D&D update is being released in 2024. Just make owl bears beasts. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just do it. They already the are cows. in um, in uh, Pathfinder 2E. Pathfinder? They're animals. You can be a you can be a owl bear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, it, I don't know. Like, I think they want. I think. D&D really wants to stick to the lore of them being like this creation made by wizards that, you know, nobody really understands um, or whatever it is. But like, yeah, they're animals still like just because it's yeah. two different animals together. Like we're going to call ligers monstrosities now. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't, that's actually a good question. Is it is it a monstrosity if it's human made? And is it a is it just a beast if it's like naturally occurring? Yeah, I mean, like is a pizzly bear a beast, but a liger a monstrosity? <laughs> yeah. Then we yeah. have to start talking about like our brachiocephalic dogs monstrosities, and those yes. are the dogs with the squishy faces. Uh, in fact, <laughs> they're their own category. They're mistakes. <laughs> mistakes. Yep. They are mistakes. Yeah. I love dogs. We messed up. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, it's not the dogs. A few fault. times we, we did this. A few times, yeah, mm-hmm. and we yeah we mm-hmm. need to undo it. <laughs> like mm-hmm. we need to just breed them back. Um. <laughs> Yeah. And I say this as somebody who used to own a uh, brachycephalic dog. It, he was not as ex- his skull was not as extreme uh, as like a lot of the other ones, and he didn't okay. have like the same level of breathing problems. But uh, there's actually some controversy about this. Uh, so we were told <laughs> that he was a half Shih Tzu, a quarter Lhasa Apso, and a quarter Pekingese. Uh, but he looked like a Tibetan Spaniel. Like, and when mm-hmm. I say looked, I mean, when you look at pictures of Tibetan Spaniels, many of them look like the person went into my backyard and just took a picture of my dog <laughs> and then put it online. Like, the fur texture, the build, the, like, the coloration, it's mm. all like, oh, yeah, that really looks like a Tibetan Spaniel. So I'll tell you, you what, though. Fur and fur color and texture could be very deceiving. What you really got to go for is skull shape and, like paw size in relation to the rest of their body and like 
how their like shoulders and hips are built. Uh, yeah, we'll ha- I'll have to, you know what, if I remember to, I'll release a picture of my dog along with a picture of a Tibetan Spaniel so people can look at it and be like, I mean, if that's not the same thing, <laughs> yeah. then wow, what an, what an occurrence, because it's rarely have you I seen a dog that is... You successfully recreated the, the breed, is what you did. Exactly. Yeah. We found yeah. the formula. You take mm-hmm. 50% Shih Tzu, add 25% Lhasa Apso and 25% Pekingese, and you get this. Yeah. That's it's just me, the, uh, except office meme. 50% Nigerian, 25% Irish, and 25% Italian. <laughs> That's yes. how you get a Joan. That's yeah. how you, mm-hmm. It's That's the how Joan you get formula. An, an American Joan hound. Yeah, Joan hound. <laughs> oh, can I just say something real quick? I, I, this it's your is show, on the Jerry. subject of American dogs. On the subject of American dogs. There was that uh, – people probably see that there was, like, a super racist and uh, possibly also sexist but definitely racist uh, uh, review of the movie Prey that Mm. came out. Mm. And basically just said it had, like, a slur in it. It had all of these – it said all these things. Mm -hmm. And it said – one of the claims was that Native Americans did not have dogs, They, which is just flat out not true. Uh, If you do any research – if you do any research, there were a bunch of different dog breeds that existed in America, most of which are now dead because uh, they kind of the same thing happened to them uh, that happened to the people, except probably less intentional. Uh, the the European dogs brought a bunch of diseases that these dogs weren't prepared for, and mm. m- most of them died. Although I there mean, are some breeds that still bear some of their lineage. There are still North American wolves. Wolves and dogs are literally the same species. I do not believe for a second that Native Americans did not have dogs. Further, like, the most current research... Sorry, this is one of the other things that I get super nerdy about is dogs and dog breeds and the history of dogs. Um, Because it overlaps with my interests in um, empathy and communication because I... Domestication is a form of learning to communicate with humans. Um, And so... uh, The working theory these days is that if we did not have dogs, we would not have become full-ass humans. We would not have become homo sapiens sapiens. Because Hmm. the fact that we were able to team up with dogs gave us access to more protein in our diets, which gave us the ability to grow bigger brains, which turned us into humans. Mm. Mm. That makes sense. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And the theory go, is also dogs. that yeah. we co-domesticated each other in terms of, a, like, the dogs kind of, they were like, eh, eh, and yeah. the humans were like, mmm, and then the dogs were like, but, and then the humans were like, mm-hmm. all right, all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there are actually multiple breeds today that are at least it's the actual direct lineage is somewhat questionable it seems in the sense that like it seems like there's been a lot of admixture from european dogs at this point but chihuahuas uh mm. and i can't say the full name because it's i don't know how to pronounce it but they're uh, the, the abbreviation is cholo uh both mexican yeah. dogs are were, have existed since before europeans got here uh cholos also known as mexican hairless 
Uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're these big, well, not actually, they come in multiple sizes, but uh, some of them are, like, miniatures, some of them are, like, it's kind of like poodles. You have, yeah. like, the big ones, the medium ones, and the little ones, uh, but they're mostly hairless, black-skinned dogs uh, that were that existed. Look, They look kind of like chihuahuas, uh, minus, like, the rat features that chihuahuas mm-hmm. can sometimes mm-hmm. look. Is that the like, dog from, me, anyway, uh, from Coco? Look like rats. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Uh, that's one. There was yo. There was a straight up because people didn't have sheep in some parts of the. Uh, I think possibly in any of of uh, the continental uh, North America at the time. In I think Canada, there were these people who bred dogs for wool. They yeah. bred like a basically like a straight up sheep. Like wow. it was a dog that um, had like really curly fur. I have a corgi and I absolutely have felted her fur before. Like she sheds enough. That if I really wanted to, I could start like a corgi fiber, like business. <laughs> like it, I'm not even kidding. A little bit. Like this dog. <coughs> Cruella Deville. Cruella Deville. <laughs> no. What would what would Jones Cruella name be? Would it be Cruella De Miller? Um, Cruella De Mil. Oh Cruella De Mil. Yeah. I'm so basic. <laughs> I can't. Joan, why is there no. so much corgi fur on the walls behind yeah. you? <laughs> Are you a hunter? Is no. That, is, that, no. is that a deer's no. pelt or is that... It looks like it's No, it's an owlbear. It's an owlbear pelt, actually. <laughs> Jeez, get it um, right. You can't skin a monstrosity. Only animals. Nope. <laughs> I never noticed the resemblance between Joan and, and Glenn Close until this very moment. <laughs> <laughs> Just striking. Oh, my um, God. If there is a celebrity so. that I look nothing like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> if, All due before respect, we though, wrap this great. up, before we wrap this up, I did want to because we, I, I think all of us watched it as preparation for this episode. I did want to have at least a little bit of yeah. conversation yes. about the original and most famous D and D film adaptation up to this point, the two thousand Dungeons and Dragons film. I think um, we could have a whole nother hour just talking about this film. I yeah, honestly. Yeah. Honestly. Okay, here's my question. And uh, audience, you're going to get to hear behind the curtain. We were going to record a My Friend Eric. Do we want to instead <laughs> just record an episode of us just talking about uh, just mm. talking about the D&D movie? I really want to play, but we... also I have so much to say about this garbage movie. I'm, it's not complete. I'm 100% garbage. with Joan. Yeah, like, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's tough. Yeah. That was a tough Should question. We, uh, it seems like we're leaning in favor of uh, of talking D&D, but there's still a contingent that there's part of us that wishes I'll to play. I'll tell you what. Should I roll for it? Rather than roll for it, you should say that Navarre and I get to come back and play some point. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. We'll just uh, we'll we'll assemble the Avengers at some point to come back for uh, my friend Eric. I love yeah, it. For uh, that, yeah, for that. Yeah. For you know, you don't want to go to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some stuff. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> what? Yeah. What? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, this is. Do we have any last thoughts before we close this out about the D and D movie? Okay. I did have oh. one actually. If, yeah, go ahead. I'll, so I'll go too. after you two. Yeah, whoever um, wants to I go. Was, which one of you can go first? I was just gonna say that I think that 
I'm really excited about the Regina John Page casting. And I mm-hmm. think it's part of the reason it's so interesting to me is like, and I was explaining this to my husband is that I think that obviously his biggest role besides this is Bridgerton. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a huge following of him for that role that is not necessarily the same demographic. Like, I think there's overlap. There's definitely the people who watch A Court of Fae and Flowers are so excited about this casting. I guarantee mm-hmm. it. But there is also a big section of D&D who's like, I would not set an, a foot near Bridgerton with a 10-foot pole. Like That's me. Um, That's, yeah. I'm right here. <laughs> and I, can, I get it. I get it. You're not into it. That's fine. I like but them both. I think they're I cool. I do, too. I do, too. I love them both. Um, I'm a sucker for period pieces. But... Uh, I think Regé-Jean Page was very clear about the fact that he did not want to do a second season of Bridgerton because he was kind of done with that character. And the fact that that character... He played the Duke of Hastings. If that's not a paladin, I don't know who a paladin is. And so that says to me that he took this role because it's allowing him to do a send-up of that character. Because I don't think he would have taken it if it was the same character again. Like, if he was going to play it as a straight man role... Like or like, he might be playing it as a straight man in the comedic version, but like mm, I don't like think he's Thor gonna type. be. Yes, exactly. Like Thor I Ragnarok, don't... where there's like a comedic aspect to the fact that this guy takes himself really seriously. Mm. Exactly, like he's going to be making fun of the Duke of Hastings in this movie, is what I sense. Mm, I like that idea. I like that idea, and yeah. I would be here for it. I think this movie could definitely use that kind of a dynamic. Just a really self-serious guy who's a little bit silly. It, yeah. uh, your Drac the Destroyer or your Thor, uh, mm-hmm. your Taika Waititi Thor equivalent. And I'm excited because I think he's got good comedic chops under there that we haven't been able to see yet. So I'm excited yeah. for it. I, I really love the the fact that <clears throat> two of like the, you know, as far as D&D goes, like charisma characters are, are two uh, black men. I think that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, because... You know, obviously, Chris Pine is going to be the lead, um, and he's charismatic in his own way. Charismatic in his own way, and of course, he's playing a bard. But I think having those other two there as well to also add to that, I think, is going to be so much fun. And I think, as well, it looks like um, Michelle Rodriguez is going to bring her own charisma to it, and in, in in her own way of you know just being like the mm-hmm. um, the big strong the Vasquez. One. Yeah, I looked yeah. it up. The Vasquez. That's the character in Aliens. Oh, yes, Vasquez. Yeah. Vasquez. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so I really love that. I love um, to see that, and I'm excited to see how, how he plays uh, in that role as well. I'm excited to see, like, how magic looks. Um, so far, from the trailer, it looks good, but I'm, you know, once it all starts to get put into the, into the film, I'm, I'm really interested to see how that plays out. Um, yeah, I think it's just going to be a really fun movie, and... Mm. Yeah, it's gonna cause a lot of discourse on Twitter, unfortunately. But it's gonna be really fun. (laughs) It already has, but it's gonna be worse once it comes out because then it's like then the real rules lawyers are gonna come out and talk about everything that goes wrong. So yeah, and you're gonna you know you're gonna see some think pieces about them whitewashing tieflings Mm -hmm. and like how it's it's yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, I'm not excited for that. Uh, (laughs) I was gonna say. Yeah, One more ahead. thing to just throw in there right before we end on this, because um, I know you want to end it. Uh, the I'm not 100% sure that the bard is the protagonist, but I 
have a reason for that, and I'll bring it up when we're talking about the other movie. Hmm. Um, I... I think this movie is cool in the sense that I like that it appears to be reproducing the a bit of like D and D dynamics. Like you have the you have the party members. Uh, you they, I, I, we haven't seen how they meet, but it's entirely possible that it's a similar like none of us are really great people, even though we're technically supposed to be the good guys. And we just sort mm. of meet each other and through frankly somewhat tenuous connections we're all now working together and uh, I do like the subversion of oh hey the big bad tricked you because that is a classic D&D mm-hmm. move that like the person you who has hired you to do the thing is actually evil and yeah. now you have to stop the bad guy that you helped uh, I love that element of it I yeah I think it looks like it'll feel Similar, it won't be like a straight reproduction of a D and D campaign, but I like the I, I, I like that it's like a Marvel take mm-hmm. on the feel of a D and D campaign. Yeah. I will say though, for a more I would say authentic take on D and D, especially pre fifth edition D and D, especially like three <clears throat> three point five era D and D, take a look at the first two gamers movies, both of which are available for free on YouTube. They're like independent, super low budget movies, especially the first one, where the premise is, especially in the first movie, it's basically a bunch of friends playing D&D. And it will cut between them and then them playing their characters. uh, And you have everything. You have the rogue rolling just nat 20 after nat 20 to steal (laughs) truly ridiculous. Like he strips a man naked while in a conversation with him uh, (laughs) because he just keeps rolling so well to steal all of his clothes. At one point, he backstabs, because I guess that was the sneak attack equivalent at the time. He backstabs him with a trebuchet. Or not a trebuchet, a ballista. He manages to set up a ballista inside of a tavern behind this guy who's, who's menacing them. Because uh, so he rolls true. so well on stealth. I'm going to make my uh, husband you have... listen to this part. Yeah. Uh, go. Uh, you have... Uh, the one guy who it missed the session, but his character is just there. So there's all these shots <laughs> where you'll see him just standing in the background, vacant. Uh, and then he shows up partway through a battle, wins the battle for them, and then leaves again. Uh, nice. So his character is just there for the rest of it. The yeah. second movie, that's the first movie is The Gamer. The second one is The Gamer's Darkness Rising, which mm. honestly is a legitimately good movie. Like, the first one's like, yeah, okay, nice try. The second one I've actually, I think is actually pretty decent. It's, it's about, mm. it's the same format, but the premise is, it's more about the, the dichotomy between just emphasis on, like, munch, munchkining and loot. Uh, like, mm. just let's go kill stuff, get loot, uh, versus Burn let's emphasize guys. story and character. Uh, and what one thing that I really like about it is that it does not imply that favoring the mechanics of the game somehow devalues your emphasis on story. It just mm. means that, like, maybe you don't make all of the optimized, the most optimized decisions uh, or different things like that, which, I don't know. I really I uh, really like both of those movies, especially the second one. But go check those out if you... I, but, I, forewarning, these movies were made in, like, the 2000s. So <laughs> some aspects of them may not have aged well, and it's just been a long time since I've seen them and I forgot. So if you see something in this that is offensive... I probably don't endorse it. I just forgot because I watched it before. <laughs> I was really paying attention to that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I do like both of those movies. By Dead Gentleman Productions, I believe. Another uh, good YouTube. show that does that dichotomy of, like, in-game versus out-of-game really well. Um, it's an MMO show, but it's it's really good. And if you haven't seen it, it's launched a buttload of people's careers, is The Guild. 
um, mm. was a web oh, series yeah. way back, Felicia and Day. it's uh, Felicia Day. Um, and then her other thing that she did at the same time, if you're a Zelda fan, was Legend of Neil, um, which is hilarious. Definitely not safe for work. <laughs> I I saw her um, like fan film of Dragon Age. That was pretty good. It was like just a short. I, that's not a fan film. That is a real Dragon Age. That's canon. I'm pretty really? sure. Her huh. character Talison is in the game. Well, I just Whoa. assumed that it was the film was made after based on like just wanting to do a, a thing. But I mean, I could be wrong. Like if that is, I named my car badass, after that but... character. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, while you're looking that up, I just want to say one thing about this. So as we said, we're going to talk about the original, the 2000 D and D movie. And I just want to say as a fan of fantasy, my entire life, um, the fact that it took, 23 years to get a new D&D film is is pretty wild. Um, but I love that we're getting things like uh, Game of Thrones, The Witcher, um, uh, The Wheel of Time, and now Dungeons and Dragons, because I think that this is going to open the door for more fantasy um, to be accepted as like mainstream media. And Obviously, that's going to put more money into it, and it's going to make better production. So I am just excited that this is happening for that reason, and I hope people watch it for that reason and just continue to, you know, do it. Like, even if you don't love D and D, this is going to be a great movie if you love fantasy fiction. I think, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. I totally agree with what you just said, and it even something clicked in my mind of those properties that you mentioned, including Lord of the Rings, which yeah, I Rings, think is course, the movie yeah. that saved the movie fantasy genre. Came out a year after Dra- Dungeons and Dragons and completely turned the public opinion mm-hmm. on that genre. Of all of those movies, the one with the most diverse cast is D anD. d It just occurred to me the most diverse lead cast. At least of, of the ones that I've seen, I don't think The Witcher has a bunch of black people in, in, in major but, supporting roles. Oh, The Witcher roles. has, Game like, two black people, and I have thoughts about what happens to them. <laughs> um, the Wheel of Time actually has quite a few people oh, uh, right. diverse yep, cultures. Yep, yep. But, yeah, but it's still an issue in its own way because many of, like, the black males um, are not good people. or Their oh. characters are not good people. Um and did people also, did yeah. they change the races in the adaptation as well? Like wh- I seem to remember there being yes, some there was a lot fan of fan controversy yeah. that yeah. they tried to make in it the Witcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, that too, no. but uh, specifically the Wheel of Time. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. On Amazon, yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a. I, I enjoyed it, but there, like, there are things that if you're tired of certain things happening, um, it's probably going to frustrate you. Mm. So let's mm. preface it by saying that without trying to spoil a bunch of stuff. Hmm. Well, on that note, uh, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, <laughs> folks, Avengers, where can folks find you when you are not at the Triskelion? Um, let's see. Joan, where, where can the folks find you? When you you're not can at the, find the Halflings Triskelion. <laughs> uh, uh, you can find me on Twitter as at A underscore wild underscore Akafan. Um, I play Mythic Odysseys of Theros on Sundays uh, with cat the lore mistress and girls run these worlds um it's kind of early in the morning for eastern time zone people but we do have a video on demand afterwards for people who want to watch it i play a uh nyx born azimar paladin of nilia um so yeah check us out i'll be posting about it on my socials all the time 
All right, all right, all right. And uh, Navarre, when when you are not in Wakandel, where can I find you? <laughs> Uh, when I'm not there, you can find me on Twitter also, uh, secret NRD social for the podcast. Uh, I am the creator and host of the podcast, you're going to podcast. Um, if this is the first time you're listening to me talk about this and yeah, we, I talk to people about their individual TTRPG experiences and their nerd origin stories. Um, and then we get a, into a bunch of other stuff, um, depending on the conversation. So it's really, really great. Uh, have amazing, diverse and inclusive guests. Um, and you can also find me solo at Navarre SNP. That's N-A-V-A-R-S-N-P on Twitter as well. Um, and that's where I usually just talk about uh, music, um, video games, anime, and the games that I'm designing. Um, if you're interested in the games I'm designing, you can find them on navarresnp.itch.io. And um, yeah, I think that's it. Thanks. All right. Check it out. Uh, and you can find me uh, on Twitter at Jeremy Cobb one. It's Cobb with two B's, number one. And you can find this show on Twitter as well at three black half. Or excuse me, three black halflings. This is number three, followed by black halflings. Sorry, did I did I say a crazy thing? Both of you started at the same time. Your 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 microphone just like wigged out. Yeah. Your your video. You pulled a zoom user. Yeah. Oh no. Oh well, I'm back. Uh, feel free to either <laughs> feel free to cut that out, Daniel, <laughs> uh, or leave it in. I guess maybe the brief moment of confusion brings uh, some hilarity. Uh, so yeah, you can follow the show on uh, Twitter at Three Black Halflings. It's number three Black Halflings, and you can also find us on Patreon if you like that uh, to 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 support the show and get behind the scenes glimpses and halfling hangouts and a whole variety of things. Uh, Patreon.com slash TB Halflings. We're also on Instagram at Three Black Halflings and uh, still trying to convince the team to get that OnlyFans started, but uh, I'll keep you posted. Keep you posted on that one. But in the meantime, uh, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time with more discussion of DMV movies. <laughs> so, long, it, <laughs> so long, Shire Folk. So long, Shire <laughs>